Welcome to another episode of The Night Bus, a quirky mixture of star citizen fact, fiction, and opinion. I'm your host, Alisiana from alisianasworld.com. Thank you for the kind words and feedback on the premiere episode. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to watch or listen. Keeping with last week's format, I'll be covering several topics that struck my fancy this week and then conclude with reading fan fiction. This week's topics are Data Makers, Trolley Cart Interlude, Space Hobos, Greetings from Zera, Star Citizen as a Board Game, and Bryony's Dilemma, Part 2 of 3. Please sit back and relax, and I'll see you on the other side. The night bus is exiting stasis, departing in three, two, one. Data Makers Cloud Imperium Games puts out a metric ton of information on Star Citizen. In addition to game updates and lore published in various forms, much of the information on robertspaceindustries.com can be data mined. This includes the Arc Star Map, the blueprint of the Persistent Universe. It's one thing to consume all the information that's being produced at lightning fast speeds. It's a whole other thing to attempt repurposing it. What is it that drives those that have to do so? As with anything, there are multiple factors and more reasons than I can shake a stick at as I'm sure the explanations are as varied as the backers doing it. I'll begin with myself, as someone who has taken on repurposing the Arc Star Map data. I have a background in performance analysis and data visualization. Either my brain always worked this way, or years of being in this profession has trained it thus. I've learned that we increase our capacity to absorb large volumes of data when it's done in a format that provides tight context, relevant associations, and helpful categorizations. When you can identify what's important to you before you have to consider the minutia, it gives you the power to use data for more informed decisions. I looked at the star map and wanted to understand the plans for the Persistent Universe better, being that it's the part of the game that I care most about. Lots of information is in the Ark star map, wrapped in a stunning shell. However, that shell impeded my ability to quickly retrieve details as much of it is hidden behind click-to-display elements. My aim was to reveal the Tootsie Roll Center on the inside and tie it to what's relevant in the Galactic Guides. A combined view of information to be used to do logistical planning for player career activities. Out of that desire came Alisiana's Star Map Matrix and Dossier Pages. Other data makers are investigating the here and now of ship functionality and balance, such as Malagos, curator of StarCitizenDB.com. On this site, there be dragons, the nitty-gritty detailed compositions of ships and their components. If you want to do the under-the-hood comparisons, this is where you go. 
from Malagos on why he got started. Testing, finding bugs, evaluating functionality, and making balanced suggestions requires that we understand the numbers that define the game. When talking about the saber, for example, it's important to know that it seems so strong because it has 10 times the shield generation of any other ship. For testing damage or ship balance, the Super Hornet is one of the few ships that the devs have bothered to give armor values. For testing missiles, Chafe doesn't work because it no longer has cross-section values. We know what to fix and what to balance now. End quote. Anyone who takes on repurposing information from CIG is signing up for a huge commitment, especially when being done during the development cycle. Most have started by manually slogging through it and maintaining it by hand, a massive undertaking. Prior to realizing that the data for StarCitizenDB.com could actually be programmatically accessed, it meant testing every ship and gun in-game to obtain metrics. For example, basic firing rate information was gathered by taking a video of the Bulldog repeater firing and then watching it in slow motion to count the shots in order to calculate the rate of fire. Ouch! You've got to really want information to go to such extremes. But of course, there was a secondary motive in this case, a personal need being fulfilled. More from Malagos. The second reason for digging up these numbers is that I'm a pretty competitive person, and I wanted to know what was best. I'm trying to foster the growth of a competitive scene within Star Citizen and balancing the game is an important part of that. Because of balance issues and how unstable AC has been, it's been very challenging to arrange team versus team competitive matches up to this point, but I think we're getting close. I've set up a competitive SC channel in Discord and hope to host a tournament in 2.6 that might show up on the site. End quote. I think wanting to know more, understand more clearly, and be better when the time comes, etc., is going to be a common theme among Star Citizen data makers. They're attempting to master information in order to excel in the game. Another such endeavor is the Star Citizen Ship Info Google Sheet from May 22-8 on Reddit. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get a quote from May 22 in time for producing this episode. If you'd like an easier way of comparing ship capabilities and known stats against the roles you're planning to use them for, then this is a great resource. As in all uses of ship-related information, however, it's subject to change, but you have to start somewhere. The tabular format makes it easier to review all known information about each ship. The only downside is that in protecting the data being collected, turning on row-level filtering is disabled. This prevents you from reducing the ship's display down to exactly the ones you care about. But I understand wanting to protect the integrity of the massive amount of work required to repurpose this information into a Google Sheet. 
Another notable and recent data maker is Strider 21, who's compiled a Google Sheet of all Star Citizen stretch goals with their current status. I think this is a great idea and helps new backers understand the evolution of Star Citizen's feature list versus its humbler original scope. Thanks to all the data makers for their efforts and sharing their work with the community. You'll find links to those mentioned in the show notes. Have you embraced content from one of the data makers? Are you a growing part of the spreadsheet army coming to Star Citizen? Inquiring minds want to know. Trolley Cart Interlude You're asleep inside your private berth aboard the night bus. You're dreaming of the credits you're going to win gambling on MacArthur in Killian. Like taking candy from a baby, you plan to fleece as many military types as possible. If you're lucky, you might score some primo narcs to sell out of your wrecked cutlass turned home base on Spider. Your mouth is full open, gargling back a snore when a knock at the door startles you awake. Swiping drool off your face, you grunt, Oh, is it? No reply, but another knock. Caution makes you slide quietly from the cot. You creep to the door and flatten a bloodshot eye against the peephole. You see a young man dressed in an attendance uniform. He has a food trolley cart beside him. Sizing him up, he seems a bit bulky for dressing like a dandy. He has one hand on the cart and the other bent behind his back. Releasing the cart, he knocks again and bellows, Breakfast! Your stomach grumbles. Rubbing your chin, you think, It's near time for it, but you don't like the look of this bloke. You didn't have any active warrants where you boarded, but you could have wherever the hell we're rolling through now. Just as the attendant is about to knock again, you shout, Sleepin! Shove off! Then you wonder if you have enough time to assemble your pistol. It's disguised as disassembled random parts across multiple suitcases. You curse yourself for not having done it before you got snookered in the bar after boarding last night. Turning away from the door, you scan the small berth for your luggage. As you do, you hear pressure on the door. You lean on it again, about to tell the attendant to fuck off with his breakfast. You press an eye back to the peephole. The attendant is bent over, a shit-eating grin on his face as he leans toward the peephole himself. There's a personal shield crackling in front of him, its blue aura glowing brightly. The hand that was behind his back now reveals a military-grade stun pulse rifle, and it's pointed at your door. You start backing away from the door as he says, Peekaboo, I see you. It's time for me to earn my Breakfast! Space Hobos There have been several threads on the Star Citizen subreddit that have garnered hundreds of responses from players who want to start the game as Space Hobos. This sect of players range from those with starter ships to backers with multi-ship fleets. As a sandbox game, there is no right or wrong way to play, much less begin. Those decisions are about you, your preferred play style, goals, 
and what you enjoy most in MMOs. I've played every, and I do mean every, AAA MMO of the last 20 years that has come to the North American market. I've left no stone unturned seeking new adventures and worlds to explore. With the exception of a few sandbox games such as EVE Online, I've waded through leveling my character, leveling player professions, and grinding for gear just to get to what I enjoy most. Establishing an identity for my character that revolves around profitable entrepreneurial efforts and where it was included, seeing end game raid content. In many cases, I enjoyed the ride to my version of Endgame, so much so that I rolled multiple characters and professions. In other games, it was a slog, a hurdle and a burden to bear before being allowed to do what I wanted to do most. So while the notion of starting the game as a space hobo has an element of romanticism, it doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. I see the ships in Star Citizen as tools, the means to an end and not the end or the achievement itself. For me, the goal is to perform the role the ship supports well enough to turn it into a profitable enterprise. I'm not enamored by simply having the Karak. I'm enthused by the gameplay the ship represents, the type of content and interactions it provides. Therefore, starting with a ship in hand on day one doesn't detract from my enjoyment of the game. It doesn't remove the fun of acquiring the ship because grinding for gear, in this case a ship, ceased being entertainment for me a long, long time ago. My fun will be had learning the ship's capabilities, teaming up with similarly minded players, excelling at the specifics of the economy, and writing tales about my adventures. This is the gameplay that I'm after. I haven't pledged for ships as much as I've pledged toward gameplay experiences. I've pledged towards CIG developing the content I'm interested in doing most by virtue of the ships that I've purchased. No shade on players who are beginning with starter ships for whatever reason. No shade on players who are relishing the ride to acquire their ships. Fun is subjective. The rightness of it is most definitely in the eye of the beholder. What are your plans for starting in the Persistent Universe? Planning to start big, small, or somewhere in the middle? Is getting the ship itself part of your goal? If not, what are your goals for the Persistent Universe? Star Map Curator I'm Zira one of the AI curators of the ARC star map database housed in the ARC in Tayak. Opened by the UEE in 2800, the ARC was built following the massacre of Garon II and the fall of the Messer regime. It was intended to be a repository for universal knowledge as well as a neutral ground for diplomatic discussions between the species. Though it has been used infrequently for diplomatic purposes, the ARC's massive library contains a wealth of invaluable cultural and historical information. We welcome scholars and visitors alike 
and are pleased to provide tours upon request. You can also purchase information request plans, allowing you to access our archives remotely. We look forward to being of service to you in the future. Goodbye. Star Citizen as a board game. I have a soft spot in my heart for board games. Some of the sweetest memories I have of my children when they were growing up are the hours we spent gathered around the dining room table playing board games. My kids, nieces, nephews, and I hunched over the game for hours at a time, taking breaks just long enough for me to prepare the next meal. This was pure gold, an equalizer that helped us bridge the gaps in ages and genders. Move the story forward a few years, and we're on a sofa, taking turns with the controllers playing console games. Jump ahead again, and we're taking turns playing MMOs on two computers. A bit further, and everyone's at their own PC. Nieces and nephews are being dropped off for the weekend, their parents grumbling and cursing me under their breath, cowering in PCs and monitors. Hardcore PC and console gamers, one and all. But the passion started with board games. Lanner on the Star Citizen subreddit is combining his enthusiasm for the game with the characteristics and joy of playing board games with friends. Inspired by the work being done by David Ladyman to create a simulation game of the Star Citizen economy to aid in the design and development of a living game ecosystem, Lanner and crew wanted something similar that they could play on their own. This is somewhat like Data Makers. They're repurposing what we know about Star Citizen and extrapolating it to an external physical experience. From Lanner. I'm currently drafting a Star Citizen economic board game for me and my friends to play. If there's interest, I could translate it into English since my friends and me speak another language. I've made the components, drew the board, and bought what I couldn't make. It's an economic, strategic, worker placement, commodity speculation, and trading board game that uses cubes, dice, meeples, and cards. So far, it contains 260 cards for four different kinds of events. Random events, missions, equipment, and exploration. End quote. I took a look at what they have so far, and honestly, it looks fun. If there is a way to play it with a tabletop simulator or in some other fashion remotely, I would definitely be interested in playing. I highly recommend checking it out. And if you're into Star Citizen lore and such, you might have suggestions for other events to include. Lanner is taking suggestions via a Google form linked in the original Reddit post, which I'll include in the show notes. Bryony's Dilemma by Aliciana Noir, Part 2 of 3 The wait in line for an all-in-one restroom cube was less than five minutes. With the exception of a small mirror above the pull-out wash basin, the interior and all of the fixtures are made of stainless steel. You pull out the toilet to relieve yourself. The smell of the disinfectant used to gag you, but you're used to it now. You wash your hands, face, and splash water under your arms. That's as good as it's getting today. Brushing your teeth, you take a long look in the mirror. 
you look exactly how you feel. Your cheekbones are more pronounced, body leaner, arms more defined. Wide-eyed wonder has been replaced by dark rings of harsh reality. You run a hand through your severely short haircut. It suits the new you that's evolving. You aren't the same person who eagerly waved goodbye to parents, a comfortable home, and a scholarship because I need adventure in my life before settling down. Come on, Dad, I need to sow some oats. Unfortunately, having your business associates steal your ship, stranding you on Art Corp, wasn't precisely the sewing you had in mind. No way you're gonna message home for a handout. Can't hit up your friends either, all of whom were at university with tight pockets of their own. You're better than these first few mistakes. Pointing a finger at the reflection in the mirror, you assert, if Granny made it out here on her own, so can I. Through bouts of coughing, you slide into your jumper and put on work boots. You chuck the paper slippers into the recycler and ball up your PJs. Dressed in a clean uniform, you feel a little bit better. You stop by your sleeping pod to grab a plastic laundry bag. The front of the bag is stamped with your UEEID barcode. You shove yesterday's uniform and PJs into the bag. Heading toward the back entrance, you drop the laundry bag down the chute and brace yourself for the weather as you exit the barracks. Towering industrial buildings box you in on all sides, stealing the meager sunlight of an overcast sky. The air is thick with moisture. You shiver as a clammy breeze snakes down the collar of your jumpsuit. You check your Moby. Good, just enough time to make a quick trip to the Area 18 med unit. As much as you loathe the idea of spending credits, you can't see how you'll make it through the day without something. You mutter to yourself as you approach the medical unit, better not be crowded. Tan walls, shiny floors, and uncomfortably bright lights. They're all the same, medical units. A twinge starts in the pit of your stomach as you enter the triple-wide sliding glass doors. They hiss and whoop as they retract. You wrinkle your nose at the potent antiseptic smell. Instantly, your mind is transported to five years earlier, when you and your parents were frequent visitors of the hospice facility your grandmother was in. Days turned into weeks of visiting every day, watching and waiting for her to die. She lived to a ripe old age, feisty and fearless, roaming the galaxy in a souped-up science ship with Granddad. She even kept at it when he was gone. Seeing her crippled and defeated by age was hard to watch. The remembered loss grabs you by the throat, threatening to suffocate you, the pain of it as lethal today as it was then. Through the throng of people milling around while waiting to be seen, you spot the quick meds dispenser and hurry across the waiting room. Eyes front, you block out everything else around you except the display case. Your nose pressed to the glass, you scan the medical options. What the hell? This is crazy. You contemplate not buying anything. You can tough it out another. Before you can finish that thought, you're seized by a hacking cough that nearly doubles you over. That seals it. You can't afford to be dismissed from the shift altogether. These prices are freaking space lane robbery. 
you choose a moderately priced antibiotic and a low priced cough suppressant. A 60-40 mixture stem should do it. After confirming your purchase and authorizing payment, the dispenser begins to whir. You hear faint metallic clicking noises. You anxiously tap your fingers on the glass while watching the progress meter inch toward ready. When it's done, a metal drawer slides open from the bottom of the dispenser. You grab the package and go. On your way out of the sliding glass doors, you pop the top off the stem, exposing the head with its pin cushion of needles. You quickly jab it into the left side of your neck. Wincing, you say, this shit better work. Walking briskly through the growing crowd of pedestrians, you arrive at loading dock J42 with a few minutes to spare. You hurry up the stairs, turn right, and swipe your ID to open the security gate. A freelancer Max is parked on the landing pad. Quasar is painted with gold metallic swirls encircling the letters like a tornado. You recognize the ship and its captain. He unloads cargo here a few times a week. The Quasar is one of the smaller ships you can expect to be unloading today. With its elongated forward cabin, slightly bigger than the neck on which it rests, the Lancer has always reminded you of pictures you've seen of tortoises found on Earth. Not an attractive shape for a ship in your eyes, but you're not going to complain by starting with a small ship today. You walk forward to join your co-workers who are standing around Zone Manager Roderick. You put on your work gloves as he begins speaking. He's a no-nonsense ex-military guy with a booming voice. Listen up. He waits for silence. We have a newly registered Connie arriving on platform J45. It's going to take a bit longer to process this one. To stay on schedule, I'm going to switch things up. Roderick checks his Moby before continuing. I'm leaving a few freshies behind here to process the max. This one's business as usual, boys. He points over his shoulder to the man standing by the ship's cargo bay. You all know Captain Shuzen. You look to where Roderick is pointing to see the captain talking in a huddle with his crew. Roderick checks his Moby again and begins calling out names. Bryony as cargo inspector. What? What? That's you. You hesitate. When you don't move, Roderick looks up and calls your name again. Co-workers standing nearby give you the, are you stupid look? You gain your composure. Sir, yes sir, I'm here. You separate from the crowd and walk forward. Thomas, the actual inspector for J42, gives you a what the fuck look. You shrug in his direction. Roderick calls out the rest of the assignments. Thomas has been assigned to lead the team processing the new Connie. Damn, you're jealous of that one. You'd rather be unloading crew and getting a chance to see inside of a Connie than leading the team processing a tortoise. When all said and done, you have three cargo movers assigned to you. You're a little bit excited since this is your first time leading a crew. Roderick hands you the Inspector Moby and says, you know your way around this, right? You nod your head. Yes, sir. He continues. The ship manifest, travel log, and cargo list are all loaded. I want this done quickly. An Aurora CL is scheduled to touch down in 30. I want the max gone before it arrives. Everyone nods their head. As Roderick is about to step away, Thomas comes forward. Sir, 
I think I should stay here to help make sure this gets processed quickly. I can walk Bryony through it and join the J45 team right after. Roderick looks surprised, but not annoyed by the interruption. Bryony can handle it. I need you with the other team. The first time for a new captain or new ship is a full inspection, as you well know, he says with an admonishing tone. It's going to take more time, and I'm not having my schedule jacked up over it. Thomas starts to speak again, but Roderick cuts him off. Is there a problem? You look at Thomas quizzically, wondering, what's your problem, man? There's a long silence. Thomas's eyes cut toward the max. You and Roderick both notice and look in that direction, too. Thomas looks away quickly. No, nothing. Just trying to make sure regular customers get good service. Roderick claps Thomas on the back. Captain Chuzin's not going anywhere. He'll forgive us a hiccup or two. Looking pointedly at you, he adds, but that's not going to happen, is it? You stand up a little straighter and add a little bit of bass to your voice. No, sir, it'll be like clockwork, sir. Excellent. Roderick slaps you on the shoulder and walks away with Thomas, his shoulder slumped, trailing behind. To be continued. That wraps up another episode of The Night Bus. I hope you're enjoying this alternative format of information about Star Citizen. If you have, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel and giving the episode a thumbs up. You can also help out by using my referral code if you haven't already created an account on robertspaceindustries.com. You'll earn 5k in-game currency when the game goes live and I'll earn a few in-game goodies. Help spreading the news of the Night Bus on social media is another great way of showing your enjoyment of the show. Thanks for tuning in. This is Alyssiana signing off until next time. The night bus has arrived. Please watch your step while disembarking. Re-entering stasis in three, two, one.